Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. I'm Ben Mandel, and I will tell you what, I am pumped to be on here talking hockey. I'm joined by Thomas Leone and Michael Dykunzak. Guys, how psyched are you to get this podcast started? I'm excited. I'm so excited, man. Ready to roll. I can't wait to talk hockey with two Devils fans, being the Ranger fan that I am. Can't wait. And here we go already. No, but seriously, Ben, I appreciate you. I mean, I'm glad to have you on my side for starters, but uh, no, but it's, uh, you know, I'm happy to, to be here and I uh, appreciate you for having uh, Tom and I on. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm, I'm happy you guys are doing this with me. I mean, we, we were recording the trailer for this and I think we only plan on doing for like maybe five to 10 minutes. We talked for 40 minutes. So uh, clearly we've got a lot to say. We're going to jump right into this because there's a lot of news going on in the hockey world and we've already got a trade just before the all-star break. So guys, let's jump right into it. The New York Islanders who are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in went out and got Bo Horvat. Now mm. at the surface, this may look like a great move because yeah, you know what? The Islanders need some scoring. That's what they can use. But guys, I know we kind of discussed this before we jumped on. We're all disagreeing with that. The Islanders end up giving up Anthony Beauvillier, top prospect in Atsu Ratu, and a first-round pick for pending UFA, Bo Horvat. Tom, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the trade? You know, it's funny to me. They needed scoring, right? And they, and they make this trade. And you look at their roster and you go, are they going to jump any of the other teams that are behind in the Metro? Probably not. <laughs> And they traded, I mean, listen, I'm really going down the statue here. They traded, what, their sixth or seventh leading scorer? So, like, it's not even like they packaged a bunch of picks or packaged real AHL prospects, like, making that the the for, like the trade, making it solely based on those guys. They throw in Beauvillier, who is just a solid player. I mean, just a couple of years ago, he's scoring overtime winners against Tampa Bay, right? Game six. And now they're yeah, getting rid of somebody. Yeah. And now they're getting rid of him. <laughs> And it just makes no sense for for a UFA coming up. I I, I don't understand. It seems like it's lose a uh, parting gift to the Islanders. So it seems to me. Yeah, it really is interesting because the Islanders needed scoring, but they didn't need it up the middle. They're pretty set at the center position right now. Now I've heard some things about moving Barzell or Horvat to wing, but that still doesn't feel like they made their team better because this is a team that's one of the slowest in the league and they got rid of their fastest guy. This is a team that needs scoring and they got rid of one of their top six forwards. It doesn't seem like this is even a good move. If the Islanders were truly in a position to win now, because let's say you take out the prospects that the Islanders sent, right? You take out Atu Ratu and you take out the first round pick. Beauvillier for Horvat still, even straight up, while yes, the Islanders may feel like they have more value there, they're not that much, they're not really a better team because you're you're still sacrificing that speed that Beauvillier brought. Not to mention the fact the Islanders are a very tight-knit group 
and you just traded away your star player's best friend. Yeah. Yeah. That goes under the radar, and especially hockey, those locker rooms are tight. And to your point, Ben, about Beauvillier, it's kind of like the only way this move makes sense to me is if it's not the last one. This can't be the Islanders' only move. It can't be because they were, they're strong down the middle. They are. They're going to add another wing. Who might, Who will it be? We don't know, but it's definitely not their last move. It seems like he struck the iron hot early, right? He might have given up a little too much, but the only way this makes sense and 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 the only way I'm not sitting here laughing in a couple weeks is if they make another move because if this is it for the Islanders, man, whew, <laughs> bad. I do want to add that first round pick is top 12 protected this year. So if the Islanders do end up picking in the top 12 this year, which means they don't make the playoffs, they do keep this year's first round pick and next year's first rounder will go to Vancouver. So while there is a chance the Islanders are drafting high this year, if it is in the top 12, they will keep that pick. Mike, uh, what are your thoughts on the trade? Do you think the Islanders got better here? This is what I think. I mean, obviously, you know, there's, you know, a possibility that you know, obviously there's always a pro and a con to everything. So that's what I look at. Okay. But, you know, here's the pro thing here when you look at this trade. Obviously, Horvat is, you know, the top scorer compared to any other team uh, guy on this Islanders team. You know, he has more goals himself combined than than most of these stars on this Islanders team have in total. So, like, I mean, it's it's a good, you know, a good punch to add. But you know, if you just if you have the elite goaltending still, and and then if you have a one-two punch, with I would say Barzell and Horvat, I think that'd be your two best. I think it'd be your best one-two punch in this situation if they are, you know, good. But at the same time, I feel like even if the Islanders are are competent and get into the playoffs. They're going to face Boston or Carolina in the first round regardless. So they might just get knocked out to begin with, even despite this trade. Um, I, and I'm just looking at the worst case scenario here that this, this team continues to stink over next month. They, they fall out of the playoff picture and then they flip Horvat to somebody that he's not. And, and then like, it, you know, and I, I know Ben, I ask you, I know you're more familiar with honors than I am, but you know, from what I remember in like 2014, Thomas Vanek, I think his name was, remember what he did with him in like the 2014 season. Yes, they basically, do, Thomas they basically, Vanek from Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. They got this trade, you know, thought it'd be a great piece. And then they flipped him to somebody who's not, and it was just a failed experiment. I can kind of see that happening with Horvat here. Uh, I just don't think it's a win. I don't think it's a win for them. Yeah, the Islanders do play that uh, very specific system, even without Barry Trotz there this year. You do still see Lane Lambert imposing some of those uh, values and beliefs. They do have more of an offensive identity. They suck, Lambert. They suck. Look, and <laughs> you know, but you know what? The Islanders, and this is the biggest piece that I think has been overlooked. And it's not been overlooked on the island. They definitely know this. And they, they reference it a lot. They haven't been the same. And Matthew Barzell has not been the same since Jordan Eberle left in the expansion draft. Yep. I mean, Jordan Eberle was Jordan Barzell's Eberle. wing. And oh my Barzell is struggling. So maybe Horvat can bring what was missing when Eberle left. But... It just, the team doesn't seem like it's really on the win now path. And this trade really doesn't seem to help that either. Horvat's got to play, one of them's got to play the wing. I I, I think to your point though, I just wanted to jump in here because you just made a good Mm -hmm. point and I don't want to lose my thought, train of thought was that we're kind of, we're kind of looking at an Islanders team and I'll do this a lot. People who listen to this pod, I will compare to situations to my teams. I like mm. to just make comparisons because it makes me mm. make it puts me in that thought process. I feel like every fan should do this. This Horvat trade reminds me of the, when the Rangers traded for Eric Stahl. When it was kind of their window closed, right? They lost in the conference finals. They lost in the Stanley Cup finals. They lost to the Devils. 
Like they had their window and they were just holding on to these guys and these players and these older players. And they traded for guys like, you know, that were, that were really good players somewhere else were kind of like in the middle of their career, UFAs, things like that. I remember Eric Stahl came to the Rangers and absolutely sucked and then signed with Minnesota and had like a resurrection year. Like this one, it kind of seems like, I feel like Horvat's going to come here. He's not going to be a fit. It's going to blow up on the honors face. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to keep that, that top 12 protected pick to your point. It'll be a first round pick next year. Horvat's going to sign with another team next year somewhere. And he's going to be Bo Horvat. I think that's exactly what's, going to happen they're going to try to toy him around to be their scorer when they could have just probably given up more assets and gotten timo meyer if that's what they were really thinking about doing so that was my last thought about this but that's kind of like where my mind is it's kind of like reminds me of these teams that that these windows start to close and they make trades like an eric stall or they trade for these these guys that were proven commodities somewhere else and then they try to turn them into something they're not and i have a feeling that's what the islanders are going to do here i don't know why i just really hate the trade you hate them period and I hate them too. Bias. <laughs> there is some bias in this, but I will say from a pure hockey standpoint, taking my Ranger cap off, I, I just don't think it's a good move. I don't think he really fits what the Islanders needed, like we've talked about. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And we said the Islanders are pretty set down the middle. I mean, you have Barzell, Brock Nelson, Casey Sezikis, JG Pajot. I mean, this is not a team that needed a center. And I guess if you're moving, Horvat to wing or Barzell to wing, maybe it makes sense. I would prefer to see Barzell still in the center because I think Barzell is the better playmaker. But, I mean, now I think, Tom, you really set up the segue here perfectly because what I was going to go into next is how does this affect the trade market? Because you said you'd Mm -hmm. have to give up a few more assets to get Timo Meyer. Well, I was going to ask, what's it going to take to get Timo Meyer now after seeing what it cost to get Bo Horvat? Because honestly, if... New Jersey is a team that has been linked to Timo Meyer, but if I have to give up more than what the Islanders just gave up, I'd rather keep my roster intact and keep building would for it, the future. Would it surprise either of you? Would it surprise either of you if Lou Amarello set the market to screw our teams? Is that just a is that just a total total blasphemous thought here? Like he knows that the Devils now have to give up more for Meyer. He knows the Rangers are going to yeah. have to give up more for Kane because he just set the market for a UFA <laughs> and 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 a guy with just as much talent as those other two guys. I mean, albeit I think Meyer and Kane are better players, but they're different points in their their career. It's just like I could just totally see Lou Lamorella sitting there, like you know what, I'm gonna get this deal early and I'm gonna set the market so I push teams that I have to then jump to maybe get scared of making the move for Timo Meyer, making a move for Patrick Kane, so that I just made my team what I think a little better. But then I also prevented the other two teams I'm chasing or other teams in my division. Exactly. Yeah, no, I totally totally agree. Sorry, guys, Ben. No, no, you're good. I was gonna say I think the Rangers might still be inclined to pay pay that price. Well, the Devils wouldn't, and I think it's because the Devils are still at the earlier stage of the rebuild. They got a lot of young talent that they don't want to risk giving away, yeah, for sure. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you know what? If you have to give up Sharon Govich to get Meyer, that's fine. Do it. But if you have to give up (laughs) Sharon Govich, so you give up Sharon Govich, you give up Fabian Zetterlin, Alex Holtz, along with a pick or Nemec, that's way too much. Yeah. I mean, I it's one thing if you don't need those pieces. And that's where I actually think the Devils and Rangers are in a different situation than the Islanders. The Islanders need those young pieces they gave away. <laughs> I know they're old. They're the oldest. Ro- one of the, Are they the oldest ro- roster in hockey now? Or what? They're maybe, up there. Definitely I think there might be second or third. Yeah. They're up there. And they. I'm pretty sure they just got older because Horvat's older than Beauvillier, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> so. 
I mean, this is <laughs> this is an Islanders team that just gave. I mean, Atsu Ratu, he's a guy I got to see play a few times with Bridgeport last year, and. It's also worth noting when the Islanders were knocked out of playoff contention, they sent all their guys down to Bridgeport and the, and Bridgeport made a run in the playoffs with all of that talent that they had. And it was spearhead by Aturatu. Wow. That is a huge, this is a guy who, when I started writing uh, for the Islanders a couple years ago, he was the big piece that everyone was very pumped about. He was a he fell late in the draft. He's a first round talent that fell deep into the second round. The Islanders got him. He came over to North America last year and he has been tearing it up. He's been solid. And I know, you know, Holmstrom and uh, Bull Duke have played well since they debuted for the Islanders up on Long Island. But still, it just it I don't like the way the Islanders made this trade. I think the more I think about this trade for the Islanders, it doesn't make sense. Now back to Tom's point about Lou sabotaging the other teams. I think the Devils may not make the move. The Rangers still could. And why, even if Lou did do that, he sacrificed himself and his team's future. So other teams couldn't or wouldn't make a move. That's, I mean, that's playing chess right there, but I don't know how how much longer he's going to be actually playing the game of chess because a move like that is either going to catapult you or sink you, and this really looks like it's going to sink him. Couldn't agree more. Now, we're going to just kind of segue here with the NHL regular season. We're a little bit more than halfway through, but with the All-Star break coming up, Guys, let's kind of go through uh, just our thoughts on the first half. What is your biggest surprise in the NHL this year? It could be good. It can be bad. But what team has been the biggest surprise to you guys? Mike, we'll start with you. You already know I'm going to say who the biggest surprise is. <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm going to go with the Devils here. I mean, uh, obviously, I am a fan of them, but. Um, <laughs> Homer. <laughs> yeah, Excuse me. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. It's also a surprise how subpar the Rangers are. But another day, Um, I'm just joking. No, I, I just got to go. I just got to go with the Devils because obviously, I mean, it, it really has a, been a rebuild for 10 years. And out of one year, uh, you know, going back to 2017 when they finally made the playoffs and was a first round exit anyway um, and had uh, Taylor Hall and everything like that. It really has been just an up, uphill battle and and if you know obviously they got Palat in 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 the offseason everything like that and he's been a great addition but if you look at the team it's been honestly you know somewhat the same it's just been goaltending that they've needed and obviously they're getting out of VTech and um you know and they just have you know VTech is great he's been great for them but at the, at the same time it's not like he he's an Igor or you know or 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 an Olmark he's you know he just does his job he just gives the goaltending enough you know to, that this team needs to win games um and Palat's been injured for most of the year and this team is still uh you know, an offensive force. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm surprised because, you know, the team is mostly the same. They're finally getting the goaltending and, you know, it looks what happens. They're, they're, you know, they're winning games and, you know, they're top of the East. So uh, I, I got to say that a surprise for me right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. I think the Devils are definitely a big surprise. Now, while they're not my, my pick, you're not wrong because this is a team that is had a huge, vast improvement from last year with a relatively similar roster. The two changes – Vitek Vanacek and Andre Palat. Now, Andre Palat, even though he's been hurt, the organization has boasted the way he has just ch- helped change the culture and bring winning vibes into the building. Correct. Because, I mean, even when he was hurt, guys like Jack Hughes, guys like Nico Heischer were going up to Palat 
and they were saying, hey, how did you guys do this in Tampa? What did you guys do here? And you can see that leadership translate down. Nico Heischer has been a much better captain this year for the Devils because of that leadership that's coming from Andre Palat. You have a team with tremendous speed. They can run laps around almost anybody. And really, the only two teams that look like they can skate with the Devils have been Colorado and uh, Dallas. But... In the East, while Boston, they may not really be able to skate with the Devils. They have other things that help them out. But the Devils' speed has definitely helped them on the defensive end. Lindy Ruff has done a good job of getting the guys to buy in on the defensive end and still stick with that heavy offensive system where they have the forecheck, they chase pucks, they're relentless in the offensive zone, and they've been a really fun team to watch. Now, may not be my surprise pick, but certainly a good one for you, Mike. Tom, who do you got as your surprise, good or bad, in the NHL this year? I just gotta, I gotta say this. I'm gonna give you one good and one bad, but also I'm gonna just bring out two Devils points to the two Devils fans, and I want everybody who listens to this to remember this. Me saying something that they, these two guys forgot that have probably been even bigger than Andre Palat, and that is the additions of John Marino and Brendan Smith on the back end of that defense. That's I mean, fair, it Tom. lengthened their. It lengthened the defense, and I honestly think that the reason why the Devils are getting better goaltending, although I think VTech is better than anything that the Devils trotted out last year and the years prior to that, I 100% agree with that, but their decor as a whole, adding two guys like that, two guys that also have experience winning and, and deep playoff runs and playing on teams that you know led their divisions and 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 went on deep playoff runs, I think that can't be understated either, and I think that defense wins, and I think you could skate laps around everybody. I think you can have speed, but... You're going to need in the playoffs, you're going to need goaltending, and you're going to need your third pair on defense to be formidable and play significant minutes. And a guy like Brendan Smith is that. You could throw John Marino on a third pairing if someone gets hurt and you got to call up like a Luke Hughes, put him with someone like like uh, Severson or something. I don't know. Like I'm just throwing things out there. You can move these guys around. He has chess pieces. Lindy Ruff has chess pieces, and I think the D – he doesn't have to roll the same six guys and the six pairings out on D anymore like he did the last like last year because he was stuck. He was handcuffed. He had rocks back there. Now he's got chess pieces, and he's showing the coach that he was. All these fire Lindy rough chants in the beginning of the season, he, he is one of the best. And I'll get to it later talking about Lindy Ruff, but he's one of the best in my mind in-game coaches he always seems to push the right buttons and i'm seeing it a lot in new jersey this year and it just it and i think he always plays the d-men correctly too especially with the last change i don't know i just really i i really think that the defense to me and being a casual fan not being a fan of the team has actually stuck out to me more than their offense because the offense has been there even without like guys like pala and hall it was there the last couple of years it was always the defense they'd give up six they score five that's to me that was the story of the devils so I, I just think it can't be understated about John Marino and Brennan oh, Smith. Well said. No, well said. Yeah, you're not wrong. John Marino has been a revelation for them. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned you could throw John Marino on the third pair. Well, John Marino has been uh, on their top pair. And John Marino, when he was healthy, was playing against the oh, other elite, team's elite best level. players. He was yep. he was out there playing very well. And he was constantly out there with Ryan Graves against the other team's top lines. So John Marino was playing heavy minutes for the Devils, and him being out hurts. And that depth that you're talking about has really showed because they had Ryan Graves and John Marino out at one point. And still winning games. Yeah. Kevin Ball and uh, I I I don't know his first name, but Ohokiuk. 
<laughs> the fact yeah. that you pronounced that correctly is yes, amazing. It's, it's, it is pretty amazing. <laughs> Your announcer skills are showing right there, Ben. <laughs> hey man, I do my I do my best. I do my best. But I mean this this is a very deep back end and I, I do have to say this about Vitek Vanacek because it, he's gotten a ton of praise this year. I have been watching Vitek Vanacek now for the last few years because fortunate I was fortunate enough to when to see him play in the AHL as well because he was spending his time in Hershey. And it, both he and Samsonov were the goalies for Hershey my first year with Wilkes-Barre. And they were uh, – Samsonov was solid. But I'll tell you what, Vitek Vanacek was not. And to see, like, it just, it's, I am very surprised. In terms of biggest surprises, I could almost say it's Vitek Vanacek because I really did not expect this. I've never seen this level of play out of him. And what makes it even more awesome to watch with Vanacek is it's all effort. Everything with him is 100% effort. You hear Bill Spaulding talk about it on the Devil's Broadcasts all the time. He just uses his athleticism. His positioning is not good. That's why it looks like he's making all these freak saves. <laughs> now, I also think Mackenzie Blackwood has had a very strong season when he's been healthy. And that's always been his problem as well as staying healthy. I think it's every year it's something new with Mackenzie. But Blackwood has been strong. He's been able to come in and really, Vanacek hasn't had to go out there and play every day. And that's because Blackwood's been good, not to mention the fact, and this proves Tom's point with the Devils defense just being better, Akira Schmid was going out there and winning games. So clearly there is more of a change. You, you're not just going to roll the same goaltenders and Blackwood and Schmid out there and have different results if you don't have a different system or different players in front of them. And that's really what showed. Now I do, I'm just going to touch on my surprise, um, team just because I want to move on and it's the Boston Bruins the Bruins were not expected to be at the top of their division maybe scratch their way in as a playoff team but that seemed like the best case scenario for Boston coming into the season this team now is not only one of the best in hockey right now they might be one of the best ever the way they're playing and they might go down as one of the best regular season teams in history if they can keep this up yeah, they're they're a are a force to reckon with, and I know Tom has his comments. I can't wait to hear about that real quick. Actually, <laughs> well, I, I mean, listen, I, I I was just saying that I think that they are a first round exit, and they're showing their colors. They lost three in a row now. Okay, they're not invincible. They can lose a couple games in a row. Carolina toyed with them the other day. I, I could see it. I could see it. that's just my bold prediction. That is my bold prediction. But Ben, my surprise team out of that same division is. My good and bad, which I was going to mention before, my good is Buffalo. I didn't expect them to be this competitive, and now I think they're actually a point out of a playoff spot heading into the All-Star break. And then my bad team is Florida. I thought Florida was going to be way better in that division than they actually are. I think Florida just like was, – was Andrew Burnett that important to them? You know, he's on the devil staff now. And look at the devil's jump compared to Florida's just so lackluster. It could have been that trade. Uh, the Chuck trade, I, I don't know, but those are my two, you know, surprise, good and bad. Buffalo, very surprising to me. I thought they were going to be crap again. And Florida, I thought they were going to be dynamite again, and they're not. So it's weird. That Atlantic division has definitely had probably the biggest surprises in the whole NHL, just looking at all the teams. It's, it's wild. 
Yeah, I think I, I honestly, I, I'm surprised that Detroit's as competitive as they are as well. Now, you brought up Burnett, and that's a good point as well, because I think that's part of the reason why the Devils special teams has made the leap that they have, because he's the one in charge of special teams for the Devils. Their penalty kill has been a lot better. Their power play has been worlds better this year. While the numbers may not look great, the last two months, the Devils power play has been a force to be reckoned with. And, you know, I do think Burnett leaving Florida has a big impact. I also think losing Jonathan Huberto is a huge impact and a bigger impact mm-hmm. than they might have realized over there in Florida. Now, we take a look at this first half of the season, though. So we can't do a first half of the season recap without some awards. So let's let's go through our awards here. I know we all kind of went through, picked some before the show. Let's start. We'll work our way up. So we're going to go Jack Adams. Selkie, Vezina, Hart Trophy. Guys, let's start with the Jack Adams. Mike, who is your Jack Adams coach of the year for the first half? Um, I think I'm gonna like lean on to what you just said, uh um, Ben, about your biggest surprise. You know, I gotta go with Jim Montgomery. I think that uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, he's got this team look like a powerhouse, despite what Tom says. Um, but uh no, but yeah, just seriously though, what the Bruins are right. doing. I just said first round exit, Mike. <laughs> I just like who he is fun. Um, but yeah, no, I just got to go with Jim Montgomery because obviously this first half uh, of the year, the, the Bruins, you know, are looking basically like what the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, the NFL looked like, you know, for, for the first half of the year, as, as much as I hate to say that. Um, but yeah, basically it's, it's, you know, I have to go with him. I think that he's, you know, saying, saying the pace for this, what, this team being one of the greatest ever. So I think I got to go roll with him. Yeah, Tom, who are Ruff. you leaning towards? Lindy Ruff, Lindy Ruff, Fire Lindy <laughs> Fire. So the Ranger that, honestly, fan is those... going to be the one guy going with Lindy. Well, yeah, because you had to pluck him off our coaching staff in order to find the Jack Adams Award. Right? <laughs> That's I mean, why. hey, it took him a few <laughs> years to finally do it, though. <laughs> he did. He did. No, I, I genuinely think that, you know, Lindy Ruff and I just have been very impressed. Just lack of, you know, words here. Just impressed. I think that when you take a roster, like to your guys' point, just added a couple pieces here or there, although great, pe- like good pieces and very important pieces, like we've talked about many times on this pod already. The fact that the team is this good has to do with the coaching. He put together the coaching staff. He probably had a big say on the type of players he wanted. And I don't know, you know, Mike can attest to this. I said this last year, once again, my point people that I brought up before, like comparing, like, like comparing the situations of my team. When your team has a young core and then goes out and gets a guy like Andre Palat, you just know that they're going to be good that year. You know it's like, okay, we're getting into our win-now window. When the Rangers traded for a Barkley Goodrow, it was like, oh, okay, they think this team's ready this year. They, th- they, they think they're ready. When you make moves like that, I think it's the coach. The co- like Gallant came in and said, I need, I need a Barkley Goodrow. I need this on this team. That's what's going to make us win now. Lindy Ruff was like, I need a Palat. I need a Marino. You got to get me these guys. I need a guy like this to fit in my system, to show these young guys how to execute it, how to win. And I think that's why Lindy deserves it. Jim Montgomery inherited a team that's just full of absolute studs that have been there, done that. And now his coaching is just basically putting them into untouchable status. Lindy took a team that he coached last year and sorry, sucked ass. And now is one of the top teams in the, in the league. I mean, he alone just taking a franchise that hasn't won anything since early 2000 and is putting them in cup contention should win the, should win the Jack Adams. That's just my honest opinion. Lindy is definitely a favorite for the award. There's no doubt about that. But I also think to turn around and say that Jim Montgomery was handed the keys to a Cadillac also isn't completely fair to him. 
this is a guy who took over a team that really has underachieved since they reached the Stanley Cup in 2019. The next year, they ended up, I'm not too sure exactly what happened in the bubble. The year after, they get bounced by the Islanders, a series that they had home ice on and really were expected to win in five or six games. They end up losing in six games. And then last year, even, uh, this is a Boston team that has had underachieved. And while I think Bruce Cassidy is a good coach, it was time for a change. And Jim Montgomery is a guy who this is his second shot. If this didn't work out for him this year, he probably doesn't get another chance as a head coach. So the pressure's on, and the, he has a lot of guys and a lot of egos and personalities in that locker room that you do have to kind of be careful with and take care of. And he has helped that team flourish into the best team in the league. I don't care that they're on a bit of a slide. The Devils also lost six games in a row. It happens to the best teams in the league. You can't play at that pace forever. They're heading into the break at the right time. They can rest up and retool for the second half and get ready to go. For their first run exit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now moving on to our next award, first half Selkie winner. Tom, who do you got? Bergeron. It's his award until he retires. And that's just a fact, a cold hard fact we all have to accept. And yeah, Patrice Bergeron goes without any explanation. He will win the Selkie yet again. How many years in a row is that? Or how many years total? I don't even know the number too many probably, but it's going to be Patrice Bergeron 100%. I wouldn't be surprised if the Selkie is renamed after him once he retires, (laughs) honestly. I really wouldn't. But I also don't think he has been the best defensive forward this year. And now I there's only one member from the New Jersey Devils that I'm picking for a first half award, and it's Nico Heischer for the Selkie. The guy has been unbelievable on both ends, and a big part of why the Devils have been better defensively has been the back check from their centers. Now, Nico has two guys in Palat and Brat who pride their defensive side of the game. That's why they're the top line. But he sure really, really leads that group. He is fantastic on the back check. The middle of the ice is very rarely open and available when he's there. He sure has just been a godsend for the Devils and a big reason why they're having success. This has been his best season by far, not just offensively, but the way he's been able to have an impact in the defensive zone as well. I love it, Ben, but I'm not agreeing with you. (laughs) Well, who do you got? (laughs) Um, I'm actually, so we're all on different ends here. I actually, I'm going to go with Mark Stone. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Mark Stone because it's just a simple fact that, um, how different this, uh, this Vegas Knights, uh, Golden Knights team is different without him. Like when he's not on the ice, obviously, you know, they've had a skid since he's been out with, uh, due to his injury and, you know, just not just defensively, but just in general, what the difference this guy makes to this team, uh, the Golden Knights need him to be successful. Um, and I think that's what, uh, I know it's like a, priority a defensive reward uh awards uh basically but at the same time i just think uh, you know the importance of it in his presence especially on the defensive side i think i gotta go with mark stone to, to win this award oh, no, that's like a it. great pick though honestly i just think the difference of him like on the ice and off the ice it just i just i have to go with it i just think the golden knights are just a totally different team without him you know it's it just it just been proven you know the skid that the golden knights are on right now that uh, uh without him so i gotta go with him 
yeah, it's easy to look at the offense and say, oh, well, the offense hasn't been there without Mark Stone. But a big reason why the offense hasn't been there is because their forwards have to spend more time in their own zone without Mark Stone. And it really does have a big impact on both the offensive and defensive ends of the ice. Stone is definitely a good pick. I think he is the heart and soul of that Vegas team similar in a way to Nico Heischer for the Devils. Now, Stone obviously has been around a bit longer and with a few more teams, but I I do think Stone is definitely a strong case for the Selkie outside of Heischer and Bergeron. Mark Stone is another guy I always hear his name and go, damn, that guy was on the Ottawa Senators. Very long ago too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think so. But Ottawa is one of those weird teams in the NHL that like when they're good, they're good. And you look at players, you're like, oh, wow, they were on Ottawa. They were on Ottawa. They were on Ottawa. How did they not win a cup? Like That was like the uh, Eric Carlson, J.G. Pajot era, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. They had Mike Hoffman, too. They, yeah. wow, dude. That was when Craig Anderson was playing really well yeah. for them. Like Those yeah. Ottawa yeah. teams were fun to watch. They they were. They were quick, too. They could score. Uh, they had Josh Turris. I remember him. He Yes. Yeah, he was on the line with JB, JG Pajot. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just having flashbacks to the four goal JG Pajot game. That's, I'm thinking of all the players that. The only thing that, <laughs> that was ringing that. in my head was that four goal <laughs> JG Pajot game. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about all the players on that team. I can't remember their decor too much other than Carlson, but yeah, those are some fun teams. That's like, yeah, that's why Mark Stone, every time I hear Mark Stone, I think of the Ottawa Senators. I think of those teams. And how yeah, good and defensively he is, like it, it really is true. It goes without saying because he's got a mm-hmm. he's got a he gets he gets in the ugly areas on offense, but he's got a freaking twisted wrister, and he can score from anywhere. But you forget how good defensively he is. Like I think of Bergeron, sure he'll score on the power play here or there. He'll get a shorthanded goal. I think of Nico. Nico is to me always defense first. Like whenever he feels tired, like mm-hmm. he gets right off the ice because you're like, you know what? I don't want to get caught. Let's get a change. This is a smart time to make a change. And I think of Mark Stone. I'm always like to tell you guys points, Mike. Mark Stone, he's such an offensive guy. But I'm like, damn, he's actually really good defensively. Yeah. Well, that's you you pointed out all those guys on Ottawa. What do they all have in common? On top of you said that yeah, they could score. Well, they're all really good defensively, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100 like, percent I don't know how those Ottawa teams didn't win a cup, like looking back on it, but probably their goaltending, you know, honestly. Well, probably I, Craig mean, Anderson. I mean, yeah, we we talked about <laughs> Craig Anderson playing well, but maybe that was a product of just being having those guys in front of you. Now, yeah. Moving on to our next award, uh, Tom, this has got to be, I mean, I don't know if you're going to go with him, but he's got, his name has to be in the conversation. Who's winning the Vezina this year? He, here's the thing. Igor Shosturkin is Henrik Lundqvist 2.0. He's going to be in the conversation every year, but he's probably only going to win one or two oh. because he just has to be, he just has to be so good all the time that everyone's just going to just become complacent with him. And they're going to, there's always going to be the one-offs that are just always going to win. Do you know what I mean? Like what, what Igor's going to do throughout his career is going to consistently be around the same numbers, but then you'll have a guy like who I'm going with in Lennis Allmark, who just has an insane year and he has to win it. And that's this year. Like what I, if you told me today, do I want to sign Olmark long-term and be my goalie forever or Igor? I'm going to choose Igor 11 times out of 10, which means he probably should be the Vesna. And he won't, though, because this specific year, because it's, that's what the award is, Olmark has been playing out of his mind, so he should win the Vesna. So that's where I'm going to go there. Only because you brought it up, Ben. Only because you thought I was going to go Igor. <laughs> I had to just make that little point. Yeah, you know, it, but part of the reason why I thought you were going to go Igor is just because, I mean, that, 
I mean, we've been going with the Devils where we think they're shoo-ins. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fair. Listen, if you want to go that crazy, Igor should win the heart then because without Igor, probably the Rangers are are sitting in the in the slums with uh with uh uh I don't even know with the Islanders Columbus. And with what, Columbus <laughs> and all that. Yeah, no, no, the Rangers are better than that. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going Igor, year, but he certainly Igor should, Igor should have won the heart last year. That's, I agree. There's, but there's no doubt about that. The way Igor played last year, he should have won the heart. I don't think he should have won the heart this year. We'll get into the heart in a little bit. Uh, before I pick my Vesna guy, Mike, who are you going for the Vesna? I want to go with a little just a shot of the dark here. I don't know why. I really like this guy. I think it's really good to determine, you know, how the rest of the season goes for them and, you know, in uh, you know, their playoff spot in the end of it. But I really like Jake, Jake Ottinger to, to, to get this award. Uh, he's been very underrated this year. And, um, you know, he's literally one of the main reasons why the Stars, you know, obviously there's Jason Robertson, you know, Pavesky and all those guys, you know, doing on the offensive end. But he's really he really stands on his head most of the time for this Dallas Star team. If you look at their games, you know, it's, it's really, you know, if you were on a sports book, you bake on the under with this team. It's really low scoring. I know they got the guys to score, uh, but uh, yeah, they're really uh, defensive battles most of the time. And Andre's on his head, you know, uh, making saves for this team, big ones. Uh, you know, just uh, to bring up my team, like Tom likes to bring up his. Uh, but every time I've seen that the Devils played the um, the Stars, you know, this guy is on, is on his best game. He always is. So I, I think I really like this guy as a long shot. But at the same time, I think he's got a really good chance depending on um, how the Stars finish this year, especially going into the playoffs. Yeah, how about Peter DeBoer? I think he's another one who could be in for the Jack Adams as well. And the guy's just winning everywhere he goes. And I don't know how because I don't think he's that great of a coach. But the guy gets his team. seems to, to take playoffs. the perfect jobs at the perfect times. That's how? How does he get this every time? It's so, <laughs> like it's all these so other true. coaches have to be looking at him like, like Bruce Boudreaux has to be looking at Peter DeBoer. Like, how can I not fall into these? Well, I want I want Galan, I wanted the Rangers to slide so that they could get Bruce Boudreaux because I cannot stand Gallant. And really, to, you're off. See, the, Gallant's the guy. The but Devils. Gallant's really another wanted. Peter DeBoer. He always takes he always takes a team and then outlasts his stay because he takes a good team and f's around with it so much that a guy like Bruce Boudreaux, who I think a lot of guy a lot of teams and you saw how much he was loved in Vancouver. I mean, like, give me a coach like that. No, I I agree. And like a I Peter mean, DeBoer. Just to throw in, uh, what happened with Bruce Boudreaux was horrible. Really, really very disturbing to see, and you hate to see it. It also, I also am not a big fan of Rick Tockett, so yeah, there's that Neither as well. But you know, it, it it is what it is, I guess. But yeah, I don't. Peter DeBoer, another great one, and Ottinger certainly has had a big impact on the Stars. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe as of this Monday. January 30th night, I believe the Stars are first in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're doing something right, and a big part of it has been Ottinger. I'm going with Ilya Sorokin, though, for Vesna, and here's why. Ooh. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know that's going to get a rise out of you, Tom, and especially because, you know, we could have had a great one if you decided to go Igor, but, uh, you know, Ilya you're right, Sorokin. You're right. the, the, thing, the thing with Ilya is I do believe if – you took his numbers and the win total was just a bit higher. He would be certainly ahead and right there with Olmark. The season he is having, the play in front of him has been horrible. 
You also have to realize the Islanders are playing without their two best defensemen for most of the season as well. So the defensive system has been bad. Sorokin is the only reason why the Islanders have even an inkling of a chance of making the playoffs in that very strong Metro division this year, even with that Bo Horvat trade. Ilya Sorokin makes more saves that he shouldn't than anybody in the league. This guy goes out there and makes plays. He is it is really exciting as a non-Rangers or Islanders fan to just watch those two goaltenders. Now, it sucks that they're both in the division of my favorite team because now you have to see the likes of Sorokin and Shesterkin. But, and now this is going back, this is just kind of comparing an eye test when I watch those two guys play against the Devils. I haven't seen Ilya Sorokin get lit up against the Devils. I've seen Shesterkin take a beating a few times. Mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. saying that Sorokin is better than Shesterkin, I think Shesterkin last season was better than Sorokin. Sorokin this season is better than Shesterkin. And that's going to be the way this goes for the next 10 years or as long as both of those guys are in New York. So really, I think this year Sorokin has been the best goalie. His numbers may not look the best, but if you need to win a game, there are two names that I'm picking. They're both in New York. It's Igor Shesterkin or Ilya Sorokin. This year, tonight, if I have to win a game, I'm putting Ilya Sorokin between the pipes. I respect it. I definitely do. I do. It would be like a football fan of the Chiefs talking to a football fan of the Bengals and being like, I'd rather have Patrick Mahomes over Joe Burrow. They both do certain things really well. They both do other things that the other can't. And they both, against certain teams, do better than the other one. So I agree. I'm not going to touch on the devil's point. I'm not. I'm not. But no, And again, it's not not it's saying okay. that <laughs> I know, just I know the I'm fact that Shister- I mean, I believe Shesterkin has actually played more games against the devils than Sorokin has because I mean, this year, not so much. Sorokin's been a horse because Varley's been hurt, but Var- Varlamov also gets a good amount of playing time, especially this year. The Rangers have been riding Shesterkin with no Georgiev. Yeah, although although Halak, thank God, is starting to play well. I think he's won six in a row now. I thank thought you guys were gonna have to call up Louis Domingue. Oh my God! I mean, listen, they started one. <laughs> I think he he started what zero seven or zero six or like oh six and one. It, 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 honestly, the Rangers aren't closer to the Devils and Hurricanes because of. Halak's play early in the season. They got this type of Halak early in the year. They'd probably have four to six more points. He single-handedly lost them at least two or three games with just horrific goalie play. Well, this so, is that's Halak's career. Halak has been either really good or really bad. Yeah. It's, you it's, remember it's, remember it's when the, the Islanders' main goalie was Halak, and they sent yeah. him to Bridgeport for a season. And then he comes back the next year with Thomas Grice, and he's there. They have one of the best goalie tandems in the league. It just doesn't make sense. <laughs> Halak has been so up and down. You never know what you're going to get from him. It was deceiving to see the numbers he put up in Boston because you think, ah, oh, he's just going to do that forever. But really, Yarrow is just he's he's a he's, streaky backup goalie. Exactly, he's he a good he's good to have as a backup. It's it's the fact that he's streaky does hurt his ability as a backup because you need that consistency and it's tough to get it when you're not playing every day, especially when Igor is going out there and playing the amount that he does. But, you yeah. know, he is because a, he's honestly, solid... truthfully, Igor is like that, too, though. Igor, Igor plays a lot better when he plays every game for a stretch of six, seven, eight games. He starts to get better as it goes on. And I think you see saw that in the playoff series last year. Like as the playoff series got longer, Igor started to play better. That's so that's, finding your that's where and... that's where like yeah that's where like having Halak as a backup might not really fit the Rangers but he was the cheapest you know they, well I mean you have perfect to find, backup you, you need a body there here. and he, you know what even though Deming <laughs> yeah. and I do think Deming is a guy who you can go in there and slot I know 
you know, when we were talking, uh, while we were doing the, uh, the promo for this show, you know, Domingue's a guy who can go out there and make some saves. We saw it in the playoffs last year. Now, you did mention that the Penguins lock things down defensively, but, you know, this is this is a guy who can go out there and play one out of every six games. And you know what? Let's say Igor goes out there and Igor wins you four out of every five, which is not an unreal expectation if he's playing like that much. And then you you get 500 play out of your other goalie. With the team in front of them, I don't think that's absurd to ask. No, it's not. So, yeah, you know, it's it's all about tweaking things. And fortunately for the Rangers, come playoff time, all you got to do is just get in because you're not – the Rangers aren't going to need a second goalie for the postseason. No. You know no, what? If, if they yeah. do, you're probably not making it that far anyway. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So 1,000%. So now let's let's jump into our final award, and this is the one everybody likes to talk about the most, the Hart Trophy. Guys, the, it, there are maybe four names that you could throw out there for this trophy this year. One, obviously, is it, he seems like just the heavy favorite, and then you've got three other guys who maybe could make a push for it. So, I, I mean, we Mike, there's no way you don't go with him. So, Tom, where are you going for the Hart Trophy? <laughs> Okay. So (laughs) don't worry, Mike, you're getting your two cents in next. So uh, it's Connor. uh, I'm not going Connor McDavid, but I mean, come on. I mean, like I want to talk about something on this podcast, right? Um, (laughs) I genuinely think Tate Thompson could give Connor McDavid a run for his money. If the hockey writers and the people who vote for this actually look at the award as the most valuable player on a team that uh, listen, then again, it's Connor McDavid, right? I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because where's Edmonton without McDavid? Bad. But maybe maybe not, though. Maybe not, though. And they're not. I mean, yeah, but maybe what Connor McDavid is and building a team around him is what makes Edmonton mediocre, even though Connor McDavid is amazing. What makes Edmonton mediocre? But (laughs) fair, 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 fair. But I I think I, I just think that Tage Tom, like Tage Thompson is the reason why Buffalo is even in contention. Like, Tage Thompson isn't playing with a Leon Dreisaitl or a Darnell Nurse or a Ryan Nugent Hopkins or a Zach Hyman or an Evander Kane or the list goes on and on. He's not Tyson Berry. He's not playing with these guys. He's playing with Dylan Cousins and Jeff Skinner trying to resurrect his career still from that egregious contract and and Alex Tuck right Alex Tuck is another low like a unappreciated player that he plays with and sure you got Rasmus Ristolainen and you got Owen Powers I mean I get it they're like kind of like built the same way as Edmonton they suck for so long they have all these top picks but like Tage Thompson's resurrection right he's top five in the league in points he's got 30 plus goals he's got 68 points right he's got more points than probably the two guys you guys are gonna the one guy you're gonna talk about Mikey D he's got more points than him and I just think because where he plays and the team he plays for, he just doesn't get respected enough. And Tage Thompson should be in the heart consideration. And that's why I think he could legit win depending on how the second half goes. McDavid gets hurt, right? And misses a couple of weeks. And Tage Thompson is playing at the same pace. Why shouldn't Tage Thompson be the heart if the Buffalo makes the playoffs? It'll be because of Tage Thompson. That's why I think he should be in consideration. This Tage Thompson season is very reminiscent, not necessarily of where Tage Thompson's career is going, but of what Taylor Hall did for the Devils in that 17-18 season. I agree. I agree. And he won the heart. Mm-hmm. No, and that's and that's yeah. one of the arguments I made for Hart, Hall winning the heart last year or that year was that, I mean, the guy had a 90-point season for New Jersey who had been terrible. They had no offensive identity whatsoever. Taylor Hall gets there. 
And even though Hall doesn't end up sticking with the Devils uh, long term, he really was crucial for the development of Nico Heischer as an offensive player. He really helped him out big time that rookie year. So, yeah, I think Tage Thompson for Hart is certainly, certainly not out of the question. Now, Mike, you've got one of the other names. So McDavid is the clear front runner. Tom's going with Tage Thompson. I believe you're going with uh, our boy I'm going, Jack. I'm going with Connor Halo, but no, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, no, I'm just gonna bring up real quick the fact that we didn't even bring it up for uh, uh, for the Vezo is kind of insane uh, the year that he's been having. But uh, um, let's just uh, yeah, but I'm going with Jack. Obviously, I'm gonna go with Jack, and I'm gonna go with Jack, and I'm gonna be proud of it. I'm gonna go for Jack. This dude's unreal. Okay, uh, I know that you. Know, I get Tate Thompson. I have more points than them. I get all these guys. You know, obviously, Connor David is the favorite, and he should be so. But let's let's just take a look at it when it when it comes to this Devils team. Like Jack Hughes is the heart of the New Jersey Devils. Yes, they have a lot of talent. Yes, they have a lot of uh, they're they're young. I I get that. And, but he makes these guys better. He makes these guys superstars. You can't tell me that these other guys on this team, like Brat, like I know Brat's very talented, but you can't tell me that Brat or Igor or any of these guys will be successful anywhere else on another top line like that, like they are with Jack. He is he is he is successful. He is the reason why the Devils we are they are where they are last year when when uh, Jack Hughes got hurt, the season was immediately over. There was no chance. This year, he's healthy, he's stronger, he's bigger, he's smarter, and it's it is absolutely lethal to the league. And and he deserves to be top two in this conversation for for the award. And I'm just gonna go with him because I'm a little biased, but I just think he's been proving it as well. I just think if the if the run continues and this Devils do get a top spot in the East in the playoffs, I think he's well deserving to get this award. I, I couldn't agree more. I think Jack Hughes is my clear cut number two. Now. Connor McDavid is my clear-cut number one. Correct, as he should be. But I'm going to throw in a different name out here. And it's a name that you brought up earlier, Mike. Jason Robertson. Love it. He is the offense for Dallas. And while I, I brought up before that Dallas has a lot of speed, they were able to skate with the Devils. Robertson is one of the few guys on this team that does not have a lot of speed, but he can score goals. This is a guy whose development took quite a bit of time. I'm pretty sure he 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 aged out of juniors and then went and spent two years in the American Hockey League before going and breaking in with the Stars last year. Robo has been great. He is scoring goals. It's been a great story to watch in the NHL. And I don't know about you guys. But Dallas is one of those teams that when they're good, it feels like the NHL as a whole has their best quality. Dallas seems like that litmus test where the NHL quality of play is really good when you have a good team in Dallas. I think of I think Minnesota gets in that conversation too. I agree with that. Like Dallas and Minnesota to me, when like those teams are buzzing and they're good, I'm like the NHL is in a really good spot. Funny, two two cities that that Dallas organization is uh, connected to. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, with Minneapolis, yeah. with Minneapolis as well as uh, Dallas, the former North Stars. Now, so we've kind of gone through the first half recap here. Let's get some second half expectations and some bold predictions going here, guys. So don't have to go too in depth here, but second half, Tom, what is one or two things you expect to see? as the NHL season closes out. I think that my my expectation, my crazy one, is that the Metro has yet to been decided, the top three teams. I think one of those top three teams is going to struggle. I think there's going to be more movement. 
I think that I've heard a lot of chatter over the last couple of days that like, oh, it's probably going to be Devils Rangers first round, Carolina winning it. I don't know. I think Pittsburgh can get hot. I think Washington can get hot. I think the Rangers could take a step back. I think Pittsburgh has got, has shown that they can just rattle off 13 wins in a row. And if that happens and the Devils and Rangers play mediocre, they can jump both of them, which then will push the Rangers out. So I just think that I think the Metro is going to be an absolute. And and listen, as much as we hate the Horvat trade, he can come in and be what the Islanders were magically missing and they can go on a run. You know, like if any team puts together a streak like the Devils did or like the Bruins have, it's possible and they'll jump teams. And when you jump teams, teams take steps back and they're shuffling. I just think the Metro is yet to be decided. That's my second half expectation. I don't think it's set in stone like it was last year at this point where we kind of knew the teams there's going to be more movement in this division and it's the best division in hockey. And I just think that's, what's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be Rangers moving up, devils moving down, devils moving up, hurricanes moving down. There's going to be something. I think the trade deadline is going to play a big part. That's my big overarching expectation. Yeah. With Carolina thromping Boston, you may, it may be easy to just kind of take a step back and say, Oh, you know, maybe Carolina doesn't have to do anything. I still disagree. I think the patch ready loss is huge. Him coming back from that Achilles too early really, uh, really is going to hurt Carolina because that was supposed to be like their trade deadline acquisition. Now that's going to be some long-term IR money that they're going to be able to use to maybe go out and make a deal. So we'll see about Carolina. I think they do something at the deadline in terms of expectations. I think my, what I expect to see is just overall better play out West. The Western Conference has been horrible this year. I think the four best teams in the NHL are currently residing in the East, and that is Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, and Toronto. I think the Rangers are fifth or sixth right now. You can maybe throw in one of those other teams in the Atlantic. The Metropolitan, though, has proven to be a gauntlet. When you have Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin, those two teams and those two guys that have owned this division since the Metro was pretty much created uh, as they switched to this alignment. So, yeah, you know what? I, I don't think a team has ever gone on a 10-game winning streak and not made the playoffs. So while that's not an easy feat to achieve, it's something that Crosby and Ovechkin are certainly capable of. But ultimately, out West, the play needs to be better. Colorado is going to get healthy, and they are going to make a run. I think Nashville is a team that could potentially be scary with a good netminder in UC Zaros and some offensive talent there. Maybe they make a move and try to get something going. But really, it's there's just not been a lot of good play. Vegas has been the team on top out West for the most part, but really, they're not the best team, especially with Stone out. So I, I expect overall the West, as they get healthier and Vancouver starting to figure things out, will get better play out there. I like the Nashville point. I love good Nashville. <laughs> they're my second team. Yeah, Although I, I hate that saying, but that's I, my sec- they're my second team. I gotta say that too. If there's a team to root for, it would definitely be the would be, would be Nashville. I don't know why. It's but. such a fun place to see a game. I I got to see it was in like 2015. I went to a a Preds Flyers game, and that that was that is such a fun atmosphere to go see a game. But Mike, second half expectation. What do you think happens here? How does this regular season close out? 
Um, I think I got to like kind of back up to what Tom says, you know, it's very rare when me and him agree on things, but I just think as well, based off what Tom has said, I just, I just think that the Metro is the monster in the NHL. I think that's, that will continue. And I think that to Tom's point, I really do think as well that it will, it will switch up. It's not guaranteed like it has been in the past or the last few years. Um, And I think it just will create a lot of, you know, good, a lot of playoff anticipation and what we're going to see, like who, who's going to play who in the first round. And I pray to God it's the Devils versus the Rangers because either I'm going to be really upset or I'd be really happy to, to kick off the playoffs. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just think that I think that the Metro is, is the, the monster of the, of the NHL right now. I'm going to go with that. Um, and then I'm just going to base off of what we talked about today, you know, with the, with the whole Bo Horvat trade. I just think that, this is going to create a trade deadline frenzy. I think all the names are out there, like like Kane, like Timo, like like even Eric Carlson. I think like some guys are going to get uh, moved around. So I, I think uh, I think that that uh, you know the market has been opened up. You know, just as Tom said earlier, when it comes to um, when it comes to Lou, did he actually you know make it make the market? Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? I think the frenzy, like we get a big frenzy for the first time in a long time in the AHL. Um, and I think that's what I and I think that you know have a lot of benefit on a lot of teams. So that's my prediction for the second half. I think that's going to be very unpredictable. Is my prediction, if that sounds cliche, but I think that's what's going to happen. Hey, it should be an exciting finish to the season. Now we're going to start to wrap things up here, guys. Before we get going, though, is there any bold prediction for the second half that you want to see? I know Tom has his. Tom, if you want to repeat it or if you've got another one, you can roll with I it. Got an- I got another one because I don't want to go on record saying that my bold prediction is – no, I want to go on record for two things. One is Boston Bruins will be oust in the first round. And second, the New York Rangers will be a wild card team and also lose in the first round. Those are my two bold predictions. Mike, you have any any bold predictions for us here? <sighs> the New Jersey Devils are going to win the Stanley Cup. No, that's not my bold prediction. But, you know, just because Tom's pissing me off and because I genuinely feel it, my bold prediction I'm laying out now, if the Devils and the Rangers meet in the first round or at all, the Devils will get the advantage over the Rangers. All right, Jeez. all right. Real bold Mike's prediction: choosing the better team to beat, uh, beat the team. Oh wait, oh wait, Real the Devils, bold prediction. The Devils, that is. the Devils are a better team than the Rangers. You finally said that. I've been saying it all year. You just uh, like to think I'm saying it because I'm trying to be reverse psychology. All right, Ben, what's jinx. yours? No, no it's back to facts. The eye test. Ben, hey, what's hey yours? don't worry, don't worry, Mike. You teed it up for him to say it on the air. That's all yep. we needed. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of bold predictions. Uh, I don't know. Here's going to be my bold prediction. I think that the Metropolitan Division is done making trades. There is not going to be another move in the Metro. Okay. I like that. Wow. That is bad news for both our teams. Yeah, it is. But I like it. I think that's worse news for (laughs) your team than my team, though. No, no. The Devils aren't beating the Hurricanes, the Bruins, or anything without another winger and a scorer. Can't all be Jack Hughes. Mm. Playoff time comes around. Ice gets tight. He ain't going to be be free-flowing, taking that shot down the ice, getting those breakaways because he'll get caught in the D zone. So. They need a winger. They need to get that offense. They not need to score check the and get it down deep. Not saying they don't He's need anything else. Move. I'm not saying they don't need anything else, but the price is going to be and too I, high. And I think the Metropolitan Division realizes that how much better did the Islanders really get? So if you have to give no, up that no, much no. to go get someone, then it's not worth it. And I think the Devils stand pat. They take their chance in free agency. They've got plenty of guys they've got to go re-sign before they worry about bringing in another Swiss player in Timo Meyer and re-signing <laughs> and, and, him. And, and my point to you saying, my point to you is saying that if they decide to go that way, then your hopes of a championship are kaput, as the guy on the Verizon commercial will say. Just like if the mm-hmm. Rangers don't make moves, 
they have absolutely no shot to advance out of the first round. Correct. So if your bold prediction is correct, that's bad news for us because our teams ain't winning kaput. No, hey, I, I'm with you. I, I think that as of right now, the way it stands, the Devils and Rangers are both good enough to compete, but not the better team yet. So while they can still win, realistically, your title hopes do take a hit. I 100% agree. And what, what honestly is funny to me, if the Rangers had just a little more scoring like the Devils have, and if the Devils just flip, we flip-flopped goalies, the Devils with their roster and Igor are probably like the Bruins right now. I think you could say that about pretty much those three teams, uh, yeah. the Islanders, the Devils, and the Rangers. If you just were able to have one of those teams could pluck a couple of guys off the other, these could be three very dangerous teams. Yeah, it's 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 true. I think think the Islanders, I think, are the outside looking in. But there's a famous thing going around, not a famous thing, but a big thing going around in our in our in our group is that I have not fully admitted that the Devil Ranger rivalry is back. This podcast will help me thinking that. But I think we need a playoff series before it. And I think this now that the Devils have finally put it together and the Rangers kind of have their core for the next five, six, seven years, I think we're now back to like the late 2000s, early 2010s. Devils Rangers are going to be constantly fighting and battling playoff position and meeting in the playoffs more. I think the rivalry will officially be back, but I need to see a playoff series before that happens. Like if the Rangers become a wild card team this year and the Devils finish second, and they don't meet in the playoffs. I, it's not, I don't think the rivalry's back, even though both teams are in the playoffs. I think they need to meet and have a just a gauntlet of a series for it to be back officially. But I both agree. teams are heading in the right direction to your point. Yeah, I agree. And that's the biggest problem with the new format with only playing three times a year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame the Rangers terrible. and Islanders are done. It's it's the worst. I missed the – Ben, remember when we were in middle school, we'd always jar back and forth because the Devils and Rangers played eight times. They would play and eight times. It would be I was a huge – just yeah. – <laughs> I was just going to say, this is bringing me back to the elementary school, middle school days because we literally <laughs> used to just spar at lunch with hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy because, like, if the Rangers went two and six against the Devils, it could cost them a playoff spot. The one year the Devils went, I think, seven to one, and the Rangers – went seven and one the next year it really hurt their playoff position it was insane like the mm-hmm. nhl now it's three times yeah we might get more playoff series with each other but when the teams aren't good like they haven't been like they've been back and forth not on the same trajectory the last six seven years since they reformatted there's been nothing it hasn't been a rivalry it's been occasional games where both teams are in different paths we're like yeah sure there's it's electric it's electrifying like the last couple ones but it's not a rivalry yet until they meet in the playoffs again because it's not the same yeah the atmosphere definitely will be different now Yes, we're going to wrap this up. We really appreciate you guys tuning in for our first podcast. We're going to be putting these out one a week. So make sure you give us a follow. You guys tune in and we'll be back. We have plenty of hockey to look forward to after the All-Star break. Pity and fly together, we rise. Get up and fight till we die. Be grounded and point to the
the sky, my tea above and she fly, that pimple ain't gonna glide, still got a swell of my pride, this Libra got nothing to hide, we get it, we know she a bride, I'm bigger, no ties, but told you together we rise, like fuck all that pity and fly away, pray for them off of my dick, hope I get money with flip, pray for them peaches we lit, the blow up like Pac in this bitch, so we can fly more with this bitch, and I can buy me a new kicks, tell like we Lila with Stitch, back on my scene with a blick, pink magazine for the chick, been driving you crazy, no stick, crazy, no stick, slave for the label, we click, fuck with and Jaden, no hitch, J with no Z like I'm Critch, I'm here for your soul, get a itch, whenever they play that bullshit, my life is a bug of this shit, let it fertilize all of my hits, and I've been out the pen as a glitch, don't skip on the son of a bitch, don't skip on me, son of a bitch, you son of a bitch. Hey, quit wasting all my time, I'm a bitch.